0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. We've been looking at the words of Jesus, which is always a good thing to do in church um, because religious teachers can get themselves out of whack. So when you just read the words of Jesus, that's normally the best place to start. And uh, we've been in the middle of a series called Trending. Uh, looking at uh, some of the key themes that seem to pop up in our society today. And what I realized that I was reading through the Bible, which is a 2,000-year-old document, and suddenly realized that for most of the major issues that are trending today, Jesus seems to speak into them. So we've been talking about uh, the truth of the Bible. How do you know it's true? We've been talking about sex and sexuality. Last week, we talked about greed and money and materialism. And tonight, we're going to hear some pretty powerful words from jesus when we look at what he has to say about narrow-minded christians so if you've got your bibles with you there's going to be stuff on the screens but we're going to read from matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 14 it's only small tonight it's a bit it's a bit like truth metamucil like it's easy to swallow it's just going to explode in you in about three days time Um, verse 13 enter through the narrow gates For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life and only a few will find it. Uh, the, the words of Jesus himself, and it speaks into, I think, a, a, a theme that tends to be trending in our society today. It's picked up by Guy Sebastian, of course, one of the great modern Australian philosophers, <laughs> when he said, And when all the worlds collide, all they know is to Divide. And it's easy if they're faceless to hate the other side. And others caught between are the only ones to bleed. And the ones they leave behind can only sit and cry. Dear God, dear soul, dear Mary, Muhammad, can we all just get along? Can we all just get along? Dear heart, dear life, dear soldier, dear martyr, where did we go wrong? Can we all just get along? Here's what I see as trending in society at the moment. You religious people... You Christians, you are also narrow minded. And your narrow mindedness is leading to all this strife around the world. So, can't you guys just release your grip from your truth a little bit? Can't you just ease up? Can't you just take it easy on the whole truth stuff? Can't you get a little less narrow? You're so narrow minded. Now, that often is the last thing that we want to be called. That's not a compliment, by the way. <laughs> you haven't picked it up as a naive christian Uh, and that's a healthy thing too we'll see why that is healthy too as a christian not to be narrow-minded and religious that is healthy that's the last thing that we want to call but jesus in some way when he says enter through the narrow gate jesus in some way is saying that he expects his followers to be narrow-minded there must have been a reason why jesus says that what I'm getting at tonight is you'll see that Christianity is narrow-minded in a vital way. It's narrow-minded in a vital way. We're going to see that. The question is, what would Jesus say to the world today and order the person that's saying, oh, you religious folk, you Christians, you're all so narrow-minded. Here's the first thing that he would say. Of course I'm narrow-minded. And of course my followers are narrow-minded. Because truth is narrow. And I'm saying that I'm the truth. Of course, I'm, I seem narrow-minded because the truth is, is narrow and I am the truth. You see, I'll tell you straight up. Here's what you'll find if you read through the Bible about Jesus Christ. With Jesus, you find a heck of a lot of humility and absolutely no modesty. He He's not a modest guy. He just tells it how it is. Jesus just tells it straight up. Uh, he's not one of these guys that tries to make his own religion, if you want to call it, that cool. And so when he says, enter through the narrow gate, Jesus is literally saying this, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> now, objection, you know, someone here tonight, and there may very well be people here tonight, they go, see, it exactly proves my point. You Christians are so narrow-minded. Exactly. See, told you, told you. Yes. Um, yeah, that is, narrow, that is narrow-minded, I guess so. Um, but truth is narrow-minded. in fact you'd want some people in your life to be narrow-minded you want your doctor to be narrow-minded if you're suffering from heart disease you don't want your doctor to have an emotional day and say i'm feeling a bit emotional i think i'm going to open sam up with a chainsaw this morning (sighs) no you you want him to go by the truth the only way that you operate on a heart with on a heart is with a scalpel and through 15 years of intense medical training i tell you who else you want to be narrow-minded particularly with the ridiculous sums of money that you pay to these people We've got one of our brothers down here in the front, your personal trainer. <laughs> you want your personal trainer to be... You see, it would be totally reasonable for the per, your personal trainer to say, uh, narrow is the gate that leads to life and broad is the way to physical destruction because narrow is the gate to go in and do another three reps of the bench press. You know, whenever I go to the gym, I, I want to go on the road to destruction. I want to eat as much ice cream as I would like. <laughs> You see, you have a choice to be either narrow or broad-minded, and yet your gym instructor is exactly someone, your personal trainer, someone you want to be narrow. You want your piano teacher to be narrow. You know, if I want to learn how to play the Moonlight Sonata, you know, I want the esteemed Michael Thomas, A.O., you know, to, to take me through that classically and train me exactly how it's meant to be. Otherwise, just smashing the keys doesn't bring the beauty of the song. Here's the point. I hope I've proven the point. If, if most of us can see here tonight that we expect there to be key people in our life, key principles in life, where it actually the narrow way is the way to life and to the freedom, why is it that it couldn't be possible when it comes to matters of the soul? You know, this switch to say that Oh, Christianity and religion and spirituality, you know, these rules don't apply. That only have ever happened about 150 years ago in the Enlightenment period. But all of us know, whether it's a doctor, whether it's your personal trainer, whether it's a piano teacher, that the gateway to life, to freedom, to health, always seems to pass through a narrow gate. So, okay, no modesty from Jesus here. He just says straight up, he's humble, but he says no, it's... it's Jesus says this. Now, look, here's the point. Jesus says, I, I have come not to point you to a truth. He comes and he says, I am the truth. John's gospel says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except by me. And look, granted, I know that is the one thing that rubs people up the wrong way when they come to deal with Jesus Christ and Christianity. Well, how can you say that he's the only way to God? We'll deal with that in a second. But what it means is that Jesus, when he says that, he's saying, truth is narrow-minded. Truth is either or. That means there's no neutrality with me. He says, either I am a megalomaniac or I'm the living son of God. Jesus says, I'm an either or. I'm not a multi-choice. Jesus says, I am either no way. I am either the way, but I am certainly not a way to God. That's what some might have to wrestle with as we're listening through this message tonight. But we have to see up front, humility, yes, modesty, no. Jesus says, truth is narrow and I'm the truth. Enter via the narrow gate, that's what he's getting at when he says this. Now, look, that can be quite offensive to the modern person and I tend to agree. In fact, it was offensive to me. I'm sure it's offensive to anyone here because anyone who's become a Christian realizes that one of the ways that you know that you're a Christian is this message is offensive when you first hear it. That the message of Christianity, right, church, we say in the Bible summarized is this, there is a God and you're not it. That's offensive. That's offensive when agnostic life is great, as we've just heard from Katrina. (laughs) Truth is narrow-minded, but Jesus says, I'm the truth and that's why I'm narrow. But Jesus also says, the modern mindset will tell you that there is many ways to God, but you can't trust them all. And that's what he says, he entered through the narrow gate, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many that enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. The word narrow there is uh, translated in the uh, King James Version, one of the old versions of the Bible, as straight. Straight is the gate, straight is the way, like a straight jacket. S-T-R-A-I-T, we don't see the word much, but restrictive, tight around you, restrictive and what he says, it's, you know, it's incredibly powerful. It's also uh, incredibly controversial, but it's a brilliant metaphor. And here's what he's saying um, every, every road that a person is on has a spiritual destination, even if you don't think that you're a person of faith. That there are, everyone is on a road that has a spiritual destination, even if you don't think you're a person of faith. I love the analogy. That's why the metaphor is brilliant. You know, I'm thinking of the roads. Uh, I'm thinking of Arizona and, and Forrest Gump and long stretches of highway and crossroads and a rickety weird sort of sign and a little bit of tumbleweed and, and, a, and a blowing wind and a and a, a crossroad where you know that one road stretches for 10 kilometers and as far as the eye can see and another one goes that way as far as the eye can see. And the minute that you... you take the choice to move upon that road then every minute spent on that road is in the opposite direction of the other that's what jesus says that if you don't choose my narrow way then every other path is in the opposite direction from me now immediately the modern person would object here and say look there might be people in this room that are like that you know some of you have got your faith thing happening and and uh, that's good for you that works for you nice hobby Uh, But uh, me, I'm a person of reason, I'm a person of facts, and I don't deal in faith stuff. I'm a person of common sense, and I live my life on the basis of common sense and fact. Um, But look, I'd like to show you that Jesus is saying that at some point we're all living upon faith statements. You know, Richard Dawkins, the great atheist, says, I live my life on the assumption that there is no God. What is that? It's a faith statement. One of the pages of his book, The God Delusion, Now, all of us uh, are living on the basis of some form of faith statement. Pascal's wager that we've talked before, Blaise Pascal, one of the great scientists of the Enlightenment era, came to God when he said that on one hand, and this is what Abby reflected in the baptistry, she paraphrased it, that on one hand you can argue all you want to try and prove the existence of God, and on the other hand you can argue all you want uh, to prove the non-existence of God, but neither side can ever conclusively prove their argument 100%. And so therefore, Pascal said, either are waging their life on one giant gamble. God either is or he is not. And so you make a gamble in which if uh, you're wrong, well, uh, there's not much to lose. If you're right, then you have infinitely everything to gain. Let's get a bit more practical. I think about love. Anyone who's been married or fallen in love here, um, science can't prove love. Science can't prove whether or not, yes, you should marry a person or not. You, you live your life on the basis of some facts that you know about them, whether or not they snore or not. And, and, and then you step out, even in spite of some of those facts, thankfully for my case and my wife and her great love for me. And you step out on the basis of all of that. And, and really, what is marriage? It's what is love? It's a faith journey. The point I'm trying to make is that everyone lives their life on some form of faith commitment, no matter who you are, whether you want to call yourself a person of faith or not. The question Jesus is asking you this tonight is, okay, if you've got those faith assumptions, have you analysed those faith faith assumptions? The second thing he asks you is, where are they leading you? A life of freedom or a life of um, soul disintegration would be another way to put it. Hmm. Uh, Jesus says straight up, yeah, I'm narrow-minded um, because he tells it how it is. He says, my followers should be narrow-minded because truth is narrow. They should be narrow-minded the way that doctors and, and, and gym instructors are narrow-minded. But here's the a, here's a question I've got for particularly the person that is the one that asked that trending statement, you Christians, you're so narrow-minded. Here's my question for you. Is your problem with... Is your problem with the narrow-minded claims of Jesus or is your problem with the behavior of narrow-minded Christians? Big difference. Is your problem with the narrow claims of Jesus Christ or is your problem with the narrow-minded behavior of Christians? Because uh, there's this next verse that if you're a non-Christian listening into this tonight or you're you're agnostic, you're sitting on the edge, um, what you're going to find in a second is wonderfully affirming and comforting and and, uh, reinforcing for you. Uh, if, if you are a Christian here tonight in the north side, you're going to find it frightening. And it's this verse in Matthew 7, chapter 21. Jesus says, not, ever, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What Jesus is saying there to you tonight, what would Jesus say to a person saying, you Christians are so narrow-minded? He'd say, yeah, we're narrow-minded, but here's the second point. Make sure that you discern healthy narrow-mindedness. What Jesus is saying here is that, yes, my followers will be narrow-minded, but the second point he says is, you know what? There's actually two types of narrow-minded Christians there's, there's one type that if you met the healthily narrow-minded Christian, you would fall in love with them. You'd want to be around them. You'd want to know more about them. I think I heard a story from the baptistry that heard the effect of that type of narrow-minded Christian. They're attractive. They're radically beautiful in the way that there is a depth and a gravity about them. But then there's another second set of narrow-minded Christians that Jesus says, you know what? There's a fruit in their behavior, in their narrow-mindedness, that if, 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 you, if they're starting to turn you off me, they turn me off me. They're that narrow-minded. <laughs> and here's what he's getting at. He explains the story with a parable. He says, um, oh, there's two sets of trees side by side. They look the same, but one has good fruit, one has bad fruit. And then what does he say? He goes on to say that um, these people, there's two, there's two types of people um, that are sitting there. And in fact, this is the scary part for us. This is the frightening part for us Christians. What he's really saying here in his message, in his sermon, that there are two sets of people sitting in church tonight and it's quite possible that one goes to meet him face to face and he turns to them and he says, I never knew you. And what he's saying that's even scarier is they both look exactly the same. Here's the first thing he says. The three things that both an authentic Christian and a non-authentic Christian an authentic narrow-minded Christian and a non-authentic narrow-minded Christian possess. They're both exactly the same. First one is right belief. They say, Lord. They believe that he's the son of God. So they believe in Jesus. Here's the second one. They're emotionally intense. Um, So they're saying, not Lord, but Lord, Lord. Don't we know some Christians like that? (laughs) And they're mostly, yeah, praise Jesus. Um, Third one is they're active in their service for God. Oh, did we not cast out demons in our name? Did we not prophesy? Did we not do all of this ministry stuff? So they're being intellectually gratified, emotionally um, intense, and they're serving God. And yet Jesus says there's two sets of people. Note that he doesn't say to one of them, Oh, I didn't know about you. Oh, you're not on the list. <laughs> How'd that happen? Admin, oh. You know, he doesn't say, look, I don't know about you. He says, I never knew you. What that meant is that there are two types of people, there are two types of Christians that look exactly the same on, this, on the surface and beneath the surface, one of, the, one of it is doing it in beautiful, wonderful, intimate relationship with him, the other one is doing all of this ultimately for themselves. So, what's that showing us? showing us uh, truth is Jesus is narrow because truth is narrow he says I'm the truth he then says look if you you, are you put off by my narrowness or you put off by the behavior of narrow-minded Christians because if that's the case please discern between authentic narrow-mindedness and fake narrow-mindedness it's like Gucci bags and watches that you buy from Florence Italy I mean they look the same on the outside but they're going to disappoint you one day they're not going to work how they should that's what he says And here's what it says when he says, I never knew you. He's saying Christianity is also narrow because it's a personal relationship. When he says, I never knew you, what is the picture that that we're getting from Jesus here in terms of what it means to be with God for eternity? I never knew you, knowing each other. It's relationship. This is what makes Jesus so vastly different from all the other religious leaders around the world. Muhammad, Confucius. Buddha. All of them, they come and they say, I'm a great teacher. I'm here to point you to the truth. Jesus says, no, I'm not here to point you to the truth. I am the truth. I am God incarnate. I am God in the flesh. None of my contemporaries, says Jesus through the Bible, ever claim that. I'm the one that claimed that I am God in the flesh. And so this is where Christianity becomes problematic because we have all sorts of questions that arise. And we've been chatting it through at Christianity Explained this afternoon. And you can hang out with us again on the 23rd of August if you want to at 4.30. But the questions like, what about my doubts? And um, how can I believe despite the doubts? And, and how can I believe in a good God if there's so much junk and crap going on in the world? And, and there's child abuse and, and, and there's racial abuse and there's poverty. How can, how can God be in all of that? What about all the, the suffering? And what about my suffering? What about all that I've been through? How the heck can God be real in my life if I've been through all of that? Now, look, what's happening there you're approaching christianity like it's a philosophy and it's not it's a relationship now if it was a philosophy or a psychology it would be good to input those things into a multi-choice framework and it could spit you out an answer but christianity doesn't jesus doesn't work that way he he said here's the thing that approach doesn't work because when you read through this book if you get the chance to read through it you will see that it is absolutely narrow in its approach as well, that every story, every tale, every account that we see in these scriptures is not a bunch of religious rules, but they're moving to this one question that is constantly being asked in the New Testament, and that is, when it comes to Jesus Christ, who do you say that he is? Is he a megalomaniac or is he the living son of God? Jesus says that, right, to his boys in Caesarea Philippi and they're all gathered around and he says, who do you say I am? Am I a great prophet? Am I like the Mohammeds of this world? A- am I a great prophet? Am I a great teacher like Confucius? And Peter, one of his boys, chipes in and he says, no, you're, you're the son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you, Peter, because that has been revealed to you by my Father in heaven. That is out of this world and it's true. So, That approach to treat it like a philosophy, Christianity first and foremost, friends, is about accepting a person, not the principles of this book. Now, some of you are going, hang on, you're not answering the question, Sam. You know, I'm at a bottleneck. What about the virgin birth? And what, are, what about the authority of scriptures? And how do I know it's all true? And how do I know what's literal and what's not? And what do I, how do I know what's narrative? And how do I know that God exists? And look, again, these are all the questions that pop up when I talk through with my non-Christian mates about this sort of stuff. Or if I talk with people in Christianity Explained, and here's the, here's the thing that I put to them. I say to them, is your problem with Christianity because it's too intellectual? Or because it's too personal? Are you wrestling with the narrowness of Jesus intellectually? Or is it too personal? You don't like the thought of giving this guy control over your life. You're still trying to treat it like a philosophy. And look, people, people really hate these claims that Jesus makes about truth all the time. These claims that if I'm going to be in your life, there can be no half ways, there can be no gray zones. They hate the way he says it's my way or the highway. And the reason he says that is because he said, I've come to be your Lord, I haven't come to be your wingman. We Treat him like a wingman. This is the God of the universe in flesh. And so always the question is, is your challenge with Christianity because it's intellectual or too personal? and it, it it's a meter this feels narrow, why? Because he's a person, don't you see it's because he's a person and anyone here knows that the, the the minute that you move into any form of relationship, you lose some form of control over your life. I learned that the hard way when I first got married uh, i was I was back here, I was chatting with the cleaners, and I really wanted to tell them about Jesus, and so we were getting into a a great uh, conversation up the back there at the brown lounges in the foyer, and we were and we were chatting away, and it was fantastic. And then and then I go and open up my phone after we'd finished talking. There was something like fifteen missed calls, and then and then I open the I the voicemail and the second one, and by about the third voicemail, there's Chris and my wife going, "Where are you? I thought you're dead. I've called the police. I've called mum and dad. Where are you? What's happening? What's going on?" Um. I sort of came to realize that the minute I moved into a relationship, like I couldn't stay out as long as I normally could before. (laughs) Now, judging by your laughter, that's an act of affirmation. I can see that most of you know that entering into any relationship, we know to be true, requires a loss of control over your own will on your part. And so the question is then surely to move into a relationship with the ultimate person in the universe is going to require a giving over of your desires somewhat, right? That's the way any relationship works. And that's why Jesus says it can be my way or the highway, not because he wants to lord it over you, even though he will be your lord, but because he says that's how every relationship works. That's how I've ordained it to be. So if you understand Christianity as a personal relationship, then you can start to see why it feels so narrow because even non-Christian relationships are narrow in their commitment. So some of you are saying, come on, Sam, you've done nothing to deal with the fact that Christianity still seems narrow and exclusive. Uh, you're right, so let's address that now. Um, here's the first thing I'd say before I get to the point. I haven't got it in the notes. Um, this notion of people saying, look, the guy Sebastian's of the world, can't we all just get along? Uh, why can't you Christians just release your grip on your truth? Can't, can't all of the religions just back off a little bit and then we'll all be peaceful? Um, I want you to see tonight, can you see how that can be an incredibly intolerant statement to make? These religions are only religions because they absolutely, fundamentally hold to some truth statements. They wouldn't be that otherwise. You wouldn't be a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew if you were not holding to a truth statement. So uh, to, to to say that is actually in, incredibly intolerant. We have to understand that theological tolerance is radically different from intellectual, social, or racial tolerance. Because to, to to just say oh we're going to be theologically tolerant and strip that away is actually intolerant. And here's what I mean by that: what you're really saying, if you if you move to the Christian or the Muslim or the Jew, can you just back off with your beliefs, give up your truth, and stop stop arguing your truth and just get with the rest of us modern people? What you're really saying is. Can you get rid of your inferior truth to our superior truth that there are no ultimate truths? Sorry, some of you are starting to nosebleed. The, you know. <laughs> Hopefully I haven't lost you. Does that make sense? It's, the, it's what I call the intolerance of tolerance. Uh, and we could have a whole other sermon on it. But can you see the point to, to push Christians or any religion for that matter to give up their distinctives is actually intolerant. Like, here's the question. If truth is narrow, and Jesus is narrow because he's saying it's the truth, if he's saying you need to discern between fake and real Christians, um, if Christianity is narrow because it's a, a personal relationship... Now, here's the question about the sense of exclusivity and narrowness in Christianity. Jesus would say it's not a question of getting the narrow-minded to be broad-minded, but asking yourself which narrow-minded leads to the broadest sense of of inclusion it's not about getting narrow-minded christians to be broad-minded but which narrow-minded religion leads to the broader sense of of inclusion and so this is what i mean if you if you meet an authentically narrow-minded christian there will be an incredible boldness about them but there'll be a humility there'll be a holiness and a wonder and a difference about them but there'll be a humility Uh, there'll be a, a brashness about them in some ways and controversial but there'll be a beauty so they, they, will be, they will be distinctly different. And here's the thing, it's one of the great paradoxes of history is that Christianity exploded from within a culture that had one of the most broadest-minded societies that the world has ever seen. The Roman Empire, I mean, you could there were a thousand gods that you could go and have in any given day. You, know, you can go and buy them off the supermarket shelf like there was something at Aldi. If you needed some fertility or if you needed uh, finances or if you needed some farming, you just go to that section of the island, and you pick up that god and they're going to work it out for you. And, and how, the question is, how'd that work out for them? You know, Their culture, gladiator style, I would know I've seen gladiator. <laughs> I've done my research. It was characterized by brutality and ethnic division and racial deli- division and religious division. That's how it was characterized. And then come along these little Christians and they say, forget this multi-God stuff. Jesus Christ is not your wingman anymore. He's Lord of all. And it's an exclusively narrow-minded statement. And what happened? In Antioch, one of the great cities in history where they'd specifically built the walls in order to keep all the ethnic groups away from each other. In Antioch, when the gospel, the message of Jesus went in, suddenly people were jumping over the fence in order to do life together. It was called church. They didn't know what to call it and so they nicknamed them this funny nickname called Christians. In Philippi, Paul goes in and he preaches his narrow-minded message to a whole bunch of unbelievers. And at the end of the day, you see this scene of a slave girl having a milo with a modern-day fashionista. Christianity's narrow-mindedness overcame not only the racial divides, but the socio-economic divides. And then in Rome, when, when, when people were dying in the thousands and the powerful were running for the hills and people were dying from sickness and the flu, income running the Christians, caring for the powerless, not just at the risk of their life, but at the cost of their life. And Christianity united the power divisions. The question for you is, why would this exclusive, narrow-minded statement lead to such humble and loving and inclusive community. And here's the read on it. You you think about it for a second. If... If Jesus is who he says he is, if he is not just a guy, but he is God incarnate, God in the flesh, God in a person. And if that is the only picture that you see when you come to Christianity, only in Christianity do we see at the cross of Jesus Christ a God who is loving and dying for a people that ultimately hate him. Only at the cross do you see God in the flesh saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And when Christians took that into the heart of their interior, how could they be superior to other people? How could they abuse other people for their own gain? How could they be divisive amongst the social classes? How could they be obnoxious? They couldn't be if they saw that and we won't be if we take that into our interior also. So... Yeah, Christianity is narrow-minded, all right. Just like every other religion is narrow-minded, Postmodernism is narrow-minded. <laughs> the question is, which one leads to, to the most inclusive behaviour? Christianity was so radically inclusive in their behaviour as a result of that exclusive statement that it exploded throughout history. So don't, don't be fooled by the behaviour of inauthentic Christians and don't dismiss the narrow claims of Jesus because of the behaviour of narrow-minded Christians. Uh, how do we finish up tonight? Uh, for the Christians, for the brothers and sisters here tonight, uh, narrow is the way to life. Uh, I know for so many of us, the, the great challenges we come up against the struggles in life. As we come up against the things where God hasn't, God hasn't delivered on what we're praying for and what we're wanting, what is the greatest temptation for us? We want to go walk the broad road. We don't want the narrow road. We don't want the faithful road. And so for us, if anything, it's it, look. We've we've seen tonight, guys, Christians. Some of us here tonight are giving more authority and more power to our doctors and to our personal trainers than we are to Jesus Christ. You got to you got to come in under His stewardship and His tutorship again. Um, non Christians, if you're listening into this, we're just we're so glad that you're here. I hope I hope you can see the heart of this amazing teacher in jesus christ i believe he's the smartest man he's ever lived Um, it does mean look we're not one of those churches that is going to say to you tonight we're going to put the pressure on you and say look you need to make a decision or you're going to hell and it's crazy like that but um, we are a church that says look there jesus says it there is a gate that closes jesus is saying in some way tonight that Maybe it's not an accident that you're here tonight listening to this process. Jesus is saying tonight in his brilliant, in his controversial metaphor, you stand at the crossroads of a funny, funky road in the middle of a spiritual Arizona. Tumbleweed going across. And there's a decision point to be made. It could mean that you give your faith to Jesus Christ tonight and you just start to to walk on that road the way that um, these two young ladies did all of six months ago. Ah... Maybe you're not going to give your life to Jesus yet, but at least you're going to choose to make a step in that direction and choose to say, I'm not going to spend another minute uh, walking in an opposite direction from him. But all I can encourage you is to come and to test him out, uh, to see him out, uh, to press him, to push against his narrow-mindedness and see what happens if we believe it to be true of our doctors, of our personal trainers, of our piano teachers then why wouldn't it be true of Jesus Christ? If you're a Christian, we need to rediscover that tonight. If you're a non-Christian, you need to process that. Let's pray.